Hey everyone, welcome back to the Life by Taylor podcast where we learn and grow together. It is a new week and I just want to thank you all because we are starting this week with 13,000 listens in just two weeks of having this podcast. So I just want to express my gratitude again. I don't think I'll ever get over it. I will never take any listen for granted. I promise you that. Like usual, I would like to share my goals for this week because I think that new weeks are really just a symbolic opportunity to set new goals, have new opportunities to start fresh, and hopefully, no matter when you listen to this, you take time to either do it now or you could look forward to next Monday to set new goals for yourself. Normally, I take some time to do this or it's either really clear to me what I need to get done on the week that I'm in. And this week, I actually have something pretty personal that I'm going through. It's a psychotherapy treatment that I will probably share depending on how it goes. I just want to keep it private for now. So I think this week I am going to set an intention instead of specific goals. And my intention for this week is to lean into the idea, lean into the truth that I deserve to feel good. I deserve to have abundance and I deserve to succeed. And And I say this because I feel like we all subconsciously carry this feeling that we don't deserve to have what we want or we don't deserve to achieve certain things. Each of us for our own reasons, each of us have narratives tied to the past that justify these beliefs. And I want to stop resisting my own good. I feel like I have been taught and told that I should apologize when things go well for me or I should be ashamed of sharing positive things happening for me. And I just want to lean into that because I want to give other people permission to go after their dreams. I want to give other people permission to believe in themselves. And I want to be a walking, living manifestation of what's possible when you do that. I can say that it's been harder than usual recently in the last few days or the last week or so. I have attracted some negative energy my way and I am using it. I'm using it as an opportunity to expand my love and expand my heart because really if anyone's throwing any hate at you, then it's an opportunity to just strengthen your ability to love. I actually just did a meditation. Before I do these podcasts, my my way of preparing is write down whatever thoughts are in my mind to kind of just cleanse myself of negative thoughts and fears and limitations and just kind of do what I call a creativity dump. And then I meditate. And I meditated and wished all of the people that have been kind of mean to me recently. Well, I really did. I wish them well to the point where I was actually crying in my meditation, sending them love, sending them healing, sending them good vibes because if anyone is sending hate your way or wants to see you lose, then I can promise you that their mind is not a fun place to live in. Anytime I've ever been mean in my life, it's been from a place of sadness and pain and insecurity. On this week's personal episode, you know, I normally do one episode a week where I'm not reading from a book. I decided that I'm going to share my experience as someone who was bullied as a kid who turned into a bully, who has healed that over time, and how I am working through what I feel like is resurfacing the trauma of being bullied by people and the compassion I'm able to have for the people bullying me because I was also in their shoes at one point in my life. Just wanted to update you guys on what is currently going on and I bought some new books this weekend so I wanted to read from one of them. I got the book How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie and as I was flipping through it in the bookstore I was like I don't know I'm not really that much of a worrier but I guess it's good to know also people are out there worrying a lot about the future. I saw one chapter and I was like okay I'm buying this book literally to read from this chapter. So today I'm going to be reading from a chapter titled Find Yourself and Be Yourself. 
remember there is no one else on earth like you. The reason I decided to read from this chapter is because I truly believe that so many problems stem from our fear and our lack of safety and security and being who we truly are. We hide all these different parts of ourselves that we think are shameful or we think will be rejected for. And at the end of the day, we all carry them. We're all trying to present this more put together, digestible version of ourselves when we all have these things that we carry that we're afraid to show. The people who truly succeed in life, the people who have accomplished anything, the greats, know that you have to lean into stepping into your authentic power and owning all parts of what make you you. So I read this chapter today. It really inspired me. It hit home. It hit hard. And I was like, okay, this is the one. Let's begin. No matter what happens, always be yourself. This problem of being willing to be yourself is as old as history, says Dr. James Gordon Gilkey, and as universal as human life. This problem of being unwilling to be yourself is the hidden spring behind many neuroses and psychoses and complexes. Angelo Patri has written 13 books and thousands of syndicated newspaper articles on the subject of child training, and he says, nobody is so miserable as he who longs to be somebody and something other than the person he is in his body and mind. This craving to be something you are not is especially rampant in Hollywood. Sam Wood, one of Hollywood's best-known directors, said the greatest headache he has with aspiring young actors is exactly this problem, to make them be themselves. They all want to be second-rate Lena Turner's or third-rate Clark Gable's. The public has already had that flavor, Sam Wood keeps telling them. Now it wants something else. Before he started directing such pictures as Goodbye Mr. Chips and For Whom the Bell Tolls, Sam Wood spent years in the real estate business, developing sales personalities. He declares that the same principles apply in the business world as in the world of moving pictures. You won't get anywhere playing the ape. You can't be a parrot. Experience has taught me, says Sam Wood, that it is safest to drop as quickly as possible people who pretend to be what they aren't. I asked Paul Boynton, then employment director for a major oil company, what is the biggest mistake people make in applying for jobs? He ought to know. He has interviewed more than 60,000 job seekers, and he has written a book entitled Six Ways to Get a Job. He replied, the biggest mistake people make in applying for jobs is not being themselves. Instead of taking their hair down and being completely frank, they often try to give you the answers they think that you want, but it doesn't work because nobody wants a phony. Nobody ever wants a counterfeit coin. A certain daughter of a streetcar conductor had to learn that lesson the hard way. She longed to be a singer, but her face was her misfortune. She had a large mouth and protruding buck teeth. When she first sang in public in a New Jersey nightclub, she tried to pull down her upper lip to cover her teeth. She tried to act, quote unquote, glamorous. The results, she made herself ridiculous. She was headed for failure. However, there was a man in this nightclub who heard this girl sing and thought she had talent. See here, he said bluntly, I've been watching your performance and I know what it is you're trying to hide. You're ashamed of your teeth. The girl was embarrassed, but the man continued, what of it? Is there any particular crime in having buck teeth? Don't try to hide them. Open your mouth and the audience will love you when they see you're not ashamed. Besides, he said shrewdly, those teeth you're trying to hide may make your fortune. Cass Daly took his advice and forgot about her teeth. From that time on, she thought only about her audience. She opened her mouth wide and sang with such gusto and enjoyment that she became a top star in movies and radio. 
let's not waste a second worrying because we're not like other people. You are something new in this world. Never before, since the beginning of time, has there ever been anybody exactly like you. And never again, throughout the ages to come, will there ever be anybody exactly like you again. The science of genetics informs us that you are what you are largely as a result of 24 chromosomes contributed by your father and 24 chromosomes contributed by your mother. These 48 chromosomes compromise everything that determines what you inherit. In each chromosome there may be, says Amarin Scheinfeld, anywhere from scores to hundreds of genes, with a single gene in, many, in some cases able to change the whole life of an individual. Truly, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Even after your mother and father met and mated, there was only one chance in 300,000 billion that the person who is specifically you would be born. In other words, if you had 300,000 billion brothers and sisters, they might have all been different from you. Is all this guesswork? No, it is a scientific fact. I can talk with conviction about this subject of being yourself because I feel deeply about it. I know what I am talking about. I know from bitter and costly experience. To illustrate, when I first came to New York from the cornfields of Missouri, I enrolled in the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I aspired to be an actor. I had what I thought was a brilliant idea, a shortcut to success, an idea so simple, so foolproof, that I couldn't understand why thousands of ambitious people hadn't already discovered it. It was this. I would study how the famous actors of that day, John Drew, Walter Hampton, and Otis Skinner, got their effects. Then I would imitate the best points of each one of them and make myself into a shining, triumphant combination of all of them. How silly, how absurd. I had to waste years of my life imitating other people before it penetrated through my thick Missouri skull that I had to be myself and that I couldn't possibly be anybody else. Be yourself. Act on the sage advice that Irving Berlin gave the late George Gershwin. When Berlin and Gershwin first met, Berlin was famous, but Gershwin was a struggling young composer working for $35 a week in Tin Pan Alley. Berlin, impressed by Gershwin's ability, offered Gershwin a job as his musical secretary at almost three times the salary he was then getting. But don't take that job, Berlin advised, because if you do, you may develop into a second-rate Berlin. But if you insist on being yourself, someday you'll become a first-rate Gershwin. Gershwin heeded that warning and slowly transformed himself into one of the most significant American composers of his generation. You are something new in this world. Be glad of it. Make the most of what nature gave you. All art is autobiographical. You can only sing what you are. You can only paint what you are. You must be what your experiences, your environment, and your hereditary have made you. For better or for worse, you must cultivate your own little garden. For better or for worse, you must play your own little instrument in the orchestra of life. As Emerson said in his essay on self-reliance, there is a time in every man's education when he arrives at the conviction that envy is ignorance, that imitation is suicide, and that he must take himself for better, for worse, as his portion. That though the wide universe is full of good, no kernel of nourishing corn can come to him but through his toil bestowed on that plot of ground which is given him to till. The power which resides in him is new in nature, and none but he knows what that is which he can do, nor does he know until he has tried. To cultivate a mental attitude that will bring us peace and freedom from worry, here is rule number five. Let's not imitate others. Let's find ourselves and be ourselves. 
What an important passage and what an important reminder for all of us. It is so easy to get stuck into comparing yourself to other people who do similar things to you. I never really had that when it came to my own coaching because I always took a very unique route to my career. But definitely when it came to making content and now writing a book, there's so many times where I want to look to people who did things successfully in a similar way and I want to read their book and see how I can succeed like them. And it's actually one of the reasons why I never read any of Gabrielle Bernstein's books because as much as I admire her and I look up to her and I think that she is, she has paved the way for someone like me to do what I want to do, I know that reading her book will only harm me and kind of taint my ability to stay true to myself as I write my own. It's also the same reason why I don't really consume too much content from other personal development or spirituality creators because subconsciously even, I'll start to imitate them or compare my voice to theirs. What really hit me was how he said you can only paint what you are and you can only sing what you are. And in my case, I can only write a book based on what I know from my experiences being who I am. And on one hand, it puts pressure on you. But on the other hand, it actually is a relief because you realize I don't need to learn how to do this successfully the way this person did it or that person did it. I just have to do it my own way fully and own that. And that's why I really struggle to feel competitive with other life coaches or other people who have similar podcasts in the same space because I recognize that they will never be me and I will never be them and I will attract my audience. They will attract theirs. So Anytime people come after you, people who are envious or you're envious of other people, you must remember it doesn't make any sense and how really truly imitation is suicide. The more you try to be like someone else, you are basically giving up on the version of you that exists in this world, this one of one limited edition version of a human being. I absolutely learned this for the first time from Oprah and how she used to talk about how she wants to be Barbara Walters and it was aha moment for her when she realized, no, I don't. I want to be Oprah Winfrey. And even as I say, you know, I could see myself as the next Oprah or I want to be the next Oprah. I say that very carefully because I never say it in a way where I want to be like Oprah. Of course, I would love to do for people what Oprah has done for me. I would love to be that type of figure in society that is influential and makes an impact on people in a positive way. And especially Oprah today, where she's very much spiritually led. But never have I ever changed how I speak or what I speak about or how I am because it's not like her. And there have been moments where I've been tempted, right? Because Oprah, for example, is very adamant about not cursing and speaking with class and grace. And I am someone who doesn't really care to say a bad word, right? So many times I've been like, oh, but Oprah says or, you know, Oprah wouldn't do this. And I'm like, yeah, but Taylor would. And that's okay. I think it's especially important when, of course, you're comparing yourself to people who are on the same playing field as you, whether you're a photographer or a writer or even in the business world where you're trying to stand out in a meeting if you're going to an interview, to remember that the best thing you can do is lean into who you truly are and give up on all of these shoulds and all of these rules and all of these things people tell you. And furthermore, when you're looking up to people, do not aspire to be them. Do not aspire to be the next whoever in the sense that you're trying to imitate them, but you might wanna reach that same level of success, but you wanna always stay true to who you are. That is always gonna be your competitive advantage. That's always gonna be where you don't have competition. Ask yourself, what are the parts of me that I fear showing 
to the world. If there's one thing that I think my coaching helps people with, and again, when I say coaching, I mean honestly spiritual mentorship, it's the permission to be who they are naturally. I find that to be one of the most profound things that happens for people when we work together is that they just get this permission to lean into who they are and let go of what society says they should be or what their friends are like or what their parents want them to be like or what the school system told them they need to be like. So let us all reflect on this and give ourselves just more permission to be who we are with our flaws, with the parts of us that we think are shameful, with the parts of us that are not perfect. The more we lean into that, the more we can accept that, the more free you will be. And only from that place will you actually find out what you're capable of because copying other people robs you of your highest potential. When you lean into who you are and how you were made, how this universe decided to make you, the miracle that is your life, you will have access to all of the potential that you can tap into. Finding out who you are, what you liked before people told you what was cool, Finding out what you would do for fun if you didn't give a shit what people think. Even thinking about how you would dress, for example. Recently, I noticed that I dress a certain way because certain girls that I was friends with in high school would tell me my style is ugly or it's weird or it's too eclectic. And I stopped wearing things like bright colors and sparkly clothes. And like, I loved that stuff. And slowly, slowly, my style just became dull. And so I could just blend in and not warrant any reaction or judgment. And I decided recently that part of my spiritual growth is to step into that, come back to that, dress the way I would before I was told that that way of dressing is ugly or that I felt I wouldn't be accepted in those clothes. I hope this episode inspires you to look more deeply into who you truly are at your core and to step into that unapologetically, to create from that place, to show up from that place, to dress from that place, to do things from that place where you don't have to apologize or try to fit in or try to copy anyone else or be like anyone else. You are the only you that will ever exist. You are the only you that has ever existed. And at the same time that we are all one, let us not forget that every single one of us is unique. I hope you enjoyed the excerpt on today's podcast episode as much as I enjoyed reading it to you. If you like this episode, screenshot it, post it on your Instagram, maybe share it with someone that you love that you think would enjoy it. And if you feel called to support this podcast, there's a link below that says support this podcast where you can subscribe to giving a small monthly donation. Every amount is so greatly appreciated. And I want to thank the people who have already done this. And if not, make sure you rate this podcast, leave a review. And thanks again for being here. Thank you again for your presence, for your time. I love you all. Have an amazing week and I will be back tomorrow.